Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.30 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 14th. Oh my God, we survived of November 2022. This is episode 641 of Bitcoin and... Yes, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, well, what did you think, man? I had I had an FTX show lined up for Monday, of all things. And I'm not talking today, Monday. I'm talking fucking last week, Monday. Okay? Monday. You know what happened? I didn't do an entire show this week because... Wifey got sick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bad, bad, bad. Cold, flu, call, I don't know what the hell it was. We're talking fever, shakes, aches, pains, sneezing, coughing. Massive amounts of tea was brewed by me. I, I mean, man, I, had, I was totally taking care of my wife for the entire week. I love you guys, but you do not rank more important than my family. Okay, so I'm not going to apologize for not bringing a show. I, I, although I wanted to, I really did. But <clears throat> family has to come first. If you're not thinking about your family, then why the hell are you even here? I mean, th- and one of the other things that, that I think about is people who don't want a family. You know, I'm not talking about people who wanted a family and didn't ever get a chance to get one. You know, because I don't know, life got gets in the way and that happens. I'm talking about the people that flat ass going, walking around with a hepped ass saying, I don't want kids. I don't ever want to have kids. You know, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, and I, I, there's a couple of people on Twitter that says that you're, you're evil if you can't, if you're poor and have kids. You know what? I completely fucking disagree. I absolutely disagree because at that point, where you think or what you think wealth is, is really messed up, man. It's really messed up. Wealth is a family because the family causes you to do things that you wouldn't do if you were single and non-attached, right? Or even if you're married, but refuse to have children. If you have kids, it's going to do things to the way that you think that makes you start wanting to move towards wealth. I'm not saying you have to be poor before you have kids so that then you can kick into wealth. That's just, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that family is wealth and it's a more, it's a more important kind of wealth than all the gold in the world, all the Bitcoin that you can have, all the tea in China. It's a wholly separate form of being wealthy. And I consider myself a very wealthy man. I got two kids and a wife. And I didn't abandon her when she was just laid up in a chair for the entire week. So if you want to know why I didn't come to you last week with a show, 
It wasn't because I got wiped out on FTX. We'll get into all that shit. Nope. Nope. It's because my wife got wiped out and she needed somebody to help take care of her. Okay, so here we go. You knew it was coming. We're going to start the whole FTX thing right now. We're going to start this one with Yosef Tetik and the hubris of FTX and the humility of Bitcoin. But before I do, before I do, I do want to say I had somebody actually drop me a a reply or something to a tweet or DM me and was asking, saying, look, where, where are, you know, where are the stories that you're reading? And they didn't mean, you know, I mean, I could just say, hey, we'll go to Bitcoin Magazine, go to, you know, uh, Cointelegraph and all the other places that I visit to go source material for the show. No, 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 because what they're asking is when you did show 641, what were the stories? Do you have those in a package? I used to put them onto, um, onto Twitter, uh, but I don't think that was really effective. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try something else. Um, I decided to go ahead and pony up and pay like five bucks a month to Elon Musk to get Twitter blue, not the check mark. I, I don't know what the hell's going on with that shit, but I can post like, you know, videos that are longer than, you know, one and a half to two minutes and 10 seconds, whatever that limit was. I can post longer videos, but I also get this, uh, newsletter thing, this review newsletter that's kind of compiled along with it. So i I'm going to try that one out, even though I've got a, a, another newsletter, but I haven't really touched it in a while. So I'm just going to start this one. And all it is, is just the links to all of the stories that I read for that particular day. All right. Uh, so I'm going to tweet out the newsletter when I tweet out the show. Okay. So look for it and we'll see how that goes. I'll do it for a week. If I get zero traction, then I might just stop doing it altogether. Uh, if for whatever reasons I start getting some subscriptions to it and I'm, I'm pretty sure I've got it opened up for free. If not, please DM me and I'll, I'll open it up so that, uh, everybody can have it. It will have all of the stories that I read for the show. It'll probably have a couple of more stories that I didn't read on the show because I didn't have time to get to them because I try to target about an hour. Sometimes I fill up, you know, one or two stories more than I really need to fill up that hour. Uh, But I'm just going to leave them on there because, you know, I put them on there because I thought it was interesting. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, all that said, from Bitcoin Magazine, Yosef Tedek, the hubris of FTX and the humility of Bitcoin. So FTX is wrecked after all. <laughs> Yeehaw! As we've witnessed throughout the year, even the reputable industry actors are basically just high rollers who got lucky for some time. Well, until reality catches up with them, that is. Bitcoin is an unforgiving phenomenon. The sheer reality of its 21 million limit and the intrinsic inability to print any more should put everyone's ego on mute. But from time to time, there comes individuals who think that they're larger than Bitcoin. Zhu Shu and Kyle Davies, Alex Mashinsky, Du Quan, Sam Bankman Fried, the one factor they had in common is called leverage. What do I say about leverage on this show? Don't use it. Stay just run away. Leverage may sound like sophisticated financial lingo, but it's essentially just borrowing money in order to buy financial assets. 
Since lenders in such transactions are taking on risk, the purchased assets may fall in value and the borrower might not be able to repay. They usually request some form of backing, like a collateral. And this is the crux of the problem. The individuals named had very little of their own collateral, so it appears that they essentially did two things. One, made up a thing, a token, and persuaded a sufficient amount of people that it has real value and can be used as collateral, and two, probably used their users' deposits as collateral as well. In FTX's case, the most likely scenario seems that they did both leverage the thinly traded FTT token to undergo investments while running a, well, fractional reserve operation with users' funds. After Binance's CZ popped the bubble with a single twi Twitter thread, it's seen that both the FTT holders and the FTX depositors are getting wiped out, depending on the details of Binance's potential acquisition of FTX, which is not going to happen. This is a slightly older read, by the way. Also, out of their money are the equity investors, including Ontario's Teachers Pension Fund. Yay! The teachers just went fucking belly up, dude, evading the crossfire. How do we evade the crossfire? The spectacular collapse of FTX has affected Bitcoin markets as well, indicating that it's not just those directly involved who can be hit hard by these games. At the time of writing, Bitcoin has lost 14% of, of its exchange rate value over a seven-day period. That might not, not affect serious long-term hodlers, but it does affect many that try to leverage, trade, or speculate on short-term moves. And you shouldn't do that, by the way. This is to say that there are multiple ways how the recent events might have caused a significant loss, like holding an exchange token. Well, this one's obvious. Whoever holds a token of an exchange is going under will that is going under will be seriously harmed. And at the time of writing, FTT token has lost over 80% of its value in a 24-hour period. Holding on an exchange, or rather, holding a balance on an exchange, FTX account holders have seen their balances frozen and withdrawal suspended. This obviously affects holders of any kind. Whoever thought they owned Bitcoin while holding only holding a Bitcoin account with FTX now knows better. I get it. Some people simply feel more comfortable buying via an exchange than in a peer-to-peer -peer setting. But if you do that, at least withdraw your Bitcoin straight to your wallet. Okay, pausing there to remind you, there are some exchanges. Okay, there are some ways to pr procure Bitcoin that do not allow you to withdraw to your own wallet. Number two. Even if they have allowed you to withdraw your Bitcoin to your own cold storage wallet, that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't freeze your withdrawal ability, okay? If they do enable withdrawals, and that's who you're buying Bitcoin on, right? Then immediately, that very day, if not within that same damn hour, get it off the exchange, okay? Continuing on. Leverage trading Bitcoin. Whenever a large exchange crypto fund crypto project goes under, Bitcoin's volatility increases. While the FTX events were unfolding, or while the FTX events were unfolding, Bitcoin's exchange rate moved 5% to the upside, followed by a negative 13% drop, all within the span of several hours. Holding a leveraged position at the time would have very likely led to a liquidation. Overexposure to Bitcoin 
Hmm, this is interesting. This might sound like heresy to some Bitcoiners, but there is such a thing as owning too much Bitcoin. Bullshit. Let's face it, Bitcoin can be very volatile in the short term. And if you hold all of your funds in the orange coin, you might encounter trouble making ends meet. Always staying solvent is as important for long-term holding as not your keys, not your coins is. Okay, I'll give him this one. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to give him too much shit on that one. Simply put, the only way to evade the fallout of similar blowups is to patiently hold Bitcoin in your own wallet and simply get on with your life. Have a positive cash flow from a productive job and stack sats regularly, right? Besides the significant financial advantages that this strategy will likely bring over the coming years, you'll enjoy peace of mind knowing that your Bitcoin cannot ever be frozen, leveraged, or liquidated, and its exchange rate is not dependent on any individual's decision. Bitcoin is an unforgiving phenomenon. And the longer one is exposed to it, the more humble one becomes. At times, Bitcoin almost feels like a living organism. <clears throat> choosing where to linger and when to move on. Zhu Su and Kyle Davies, Alex Mashinsky, Duquan, and now Sam Bankman-Fried, they all thought they dominated Bitcoin. But Bitcoin deemed otherwise. They, along with their followers, were not worthy. Are you? I, yes, I am worthy. Why? Well, I didn't get my ass liquidated. And hopefully, and I, bet I, I would love to hear from you guys, has anything that I've said that you've listened to on this show, the Bitcoin and podcast over the last four years made you think about Bitcoin differently and put you in a position where this FTX thing did not affect you? If you did, then send me a boostagram and tell me about it. Okay, Dergigi put out a, a tweet thread, or actually he just put out a tweet the other day uh, that said, you know, basically asking the same thing. Yeah, or, or say, or relatively imparting the same thing. That if you really, you know, Bitcoin maximalists have helped people, they have not harmed people, right? And there was a lot of pushback that Dergigi got, especially amongst the goddamn shitcoiners, as you might freaking expect, right? Well, lo and behold, that tweet, I think, got 2,000 2, likes. That's pretty, that's pretty heavy, even for, even for Dergigi. But with, without him posting an article of his, own, of his own writing, without him posting a meme, without him even putting up a picture, it was just one sentence with a single period at the end, got 2,000 likes. I was mentioned at least three or four times in that thread by other people saying, Ghost of None, you helped my ass out. If I did, please let me know directly through Boostagram. It's important for me to know. All right, so let's move on, even though we're not going to move on from FTX. It's going to be an FTX-heavy show today. All right, so Bitcoin Magazine, Nomcios. United States investigating the FTX empire over handling of customer funds, according to a report. Uh, yeah, as you might expect, the United States financial regulators have apparently been actively following the carnage that's ensued in cryptocurrency markets over the past couple of days. According to a report by Bloomberg, people familiar with the matter said the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission 
are investigating the liquidity crunch at FTX that led to its non-United States operations being acquired by competitor Binance, the world's largest exchange on Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure. Wait, what's the date? This is November the 9th. Okay, so sorry, but it's, yeah, it's an older article. Binance is not touching FTX with a 10-foot pole. Okay, that just never going to happen because the amount of contagion, the amount of radioactive toxicity that's on their books, we'll get into some of that shit later. Anyway, <clears throat> what started as apparently a clash between crypto's two wealthiest founders quickly spiraled into a deal between them to save FTX from collapse. No, they didn't. Binance CEO Sheng Peng Zhao announced his company would be offloading half a billion dollars worth of rivals native token FTT, and that triggered a sharp sell-off of the token and culminated in FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried being rescued out of a liquidity crunch. Yeah, he's not getting rescued, okay? Let's be clear about that. Uh, the regulatory agencies are probing FTX <coughs> over how it handled customer funds, apparently a key component to the exchange's liquidity situation. Watchdogs also seemingly worry about how much of an impact uh, any buyout, which isn't going to happen, would have on FTX US operations, according to a financial policy analyst at 15.8 billion Cohen, the deal could be treated as a matter of national security by American regulators. I don't know what a Cowan is, but whatever. Uh, regulators also seem keenly interested in learning more about the flow of funds between two of Sam Bankman Fried's businesses, FTX and Alameda. Okay, so let's just kind of pause right there and talk a little bit about <coughs> November the 2nd. That is a really important date because that is the date. In case you're wondering kind of the timeline of how some of this stuff happened, let me try to nutshell it. On November the 2nd, a leaked balance sheet of Alameda Research was released, okay, or, or leaked and it showed the balances of, of Alameda Research. Okay, I reported on this either that day or the day after that it came out, I can't remember which. What it showed was that the great guts and feathers of quote unquote, the assets that Alameda Research held were held in the FTT token. Now, it didn't take CZ very long to, you know, to get his gun out of the closet get it all nice polished up, went down to the rifle range, sighted that fucker in, and then loaded it with a 50 caliber kill shot. It did not take him long at all to figure out all he had to do was put one well-placed round in the forehead of Alameda Research and FTX, and he was going to destroy the entire thing altogether. People are speculating that he did not realize what he would do to the greater crypto market. I call bullshit. I think he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he's going to be gorging on blood for weeks. We'll get into that one later. So once he made the famous tweet where he said, I've got $500 million of FTT token. I don't want anything to do with FTX. It's toxic. I'm selling this shit right now. That's what crashed it. It was right there. Everybody knew that the tide was going out and we were already dropping bets on who was not swimming without swimming trunks. Sam Bankman-Fried and K 
Carolyn What's-Her-Name over at Alameda Research, the CEO uh, at the time of Alameda Research, we knew at least those two were swimming naked. And we know that CZ, while he's not a hero, was in fact fully clothed. And I don't know at what point or another that CZ might be caught with his britches down, but it doesn't look likely over the next couple of days. But don't trust him. Do not trust any shit coiner in this space ever again, forever, period, period, period. You can't trust CZ. I don't trust CZ. Why would you? That's essentially what happened. Now we're finding out all kinds of other stuff. So just to button that up with the FTX token (coughs) or FTT, what happened was it appears that Alameda Research was minting or rather had pre-mined a fuck ton of FTT token and then loaned it to FTX, which is Sam Bankman-Fried's sister company because Sam Bankman-Fried started Alameda as well. They're sister companies. This is what's called commingling of funds. The people go to prison for long periods of time because they commingle funds between two businesses that even though that they own them or have started them or were CEO of them, both, it doesn't matter. They are, they are supposed to be separate. And they're supposed to be separate for a reason mainly so that you don't do shit like this, but he did it. So <coughs> Alameda loans a bunch of FTT token that they own. Somehow they pre-mined it. Not even going to get into that part. They loan it over to FTX. And then FTX gets user deposits and gives it over to Alameda. And what did they do with all that money? They apparently invested it in 480 separate companies not least of which the ones that were being bailed out during the Celsius uh, Terra Luna debacle thing. Yeah, that's where some of that money went, but it also went to a whole bunch of other companies. All of this shit is going away, ladies and gentlemen. It's all going away. It'll come back in a different iteration because humans never learn. And, you know, hairless monkeys, just because we fell out of a tree and started walking around upright, doesn't mean that we're not just greedy ass monkeys. It's, this is your Peter Pan moment. You must understand all this is going away and it's all going to happen again. This has happened before and it is very much going to happen again. It doesn't matter. We can, as as a maximalist, I can cry in the street for 24 hours, seven. Nobody listens and they're going to do it again. So the only thing that you, the only question that you need to ponder is, are you going to take a part of it when it happens again? I highly recommend that you stay as far away from it as humanly possible. There we go. Now, the exchange. Let's talk about the exchange outflows. Martin Young, Cointelegraph. Exchange outflows hit historic highs as Bitcoin investors self-custody. Yes, that's right. They're taking it back. Bitcoin investors have been increasingly moving their holdings to self-custody solutions following the collapse of the world's second largest crypto exchange last week. On-chain exchange 
flow data is showing a surge of withdrawals to self-custody wallets, according to analytics provider Glassnode. In a November 13th post on Twitter, Glassnode reported that Bitcoin exchange outflows (coughs) had hit near historic levels of 106,000 BTC per month going out of exchanges. It added that this has happened only three other times in April, 2022 and November, 2020, as well as in June through July of 2022. It also reported that the number of Bitcoin wallets receiving the asset from exchanges surged to around 90,000 on November the 9th. Quote, following the collapse of FTX, Bitcoin investors have been withdrawing coins to self-custody at a historic rate of 106 BTC per month. This compares with the other times, April 2020, uh, November 2020, June, July 2022. That's from Glassnode. Exchange outflows are usually a bullish sign that BTC is being hodled for the long term. However, in this scenario, it appears to be the result of laundering confidence in centralized crypto exchanges. That's a new word for me, laundering. Oh, maybe they forgot to put in the F. Guys, editing, floundering confidence in centralized crypto exchanges. Glassnode commented, that outflows have resulted in positive balance changes across all wallet cohorts from shrimp to whales before adding, quote, the failure of FTX has created a very distinct change in Bitcoin holder behavior across all cohorts, end quote. Since November the 6th, when the FTX fiasco began, balance changes have increased across all BTC wallet sizes with shrimps that have less than one coin increasing by 33,700 BTC. Whale wallets with more than 1,000 coins have seen an increase of 3,600 BTC indicating that the self-custodian push is happening across the board. Yeah, but clearly weighted to the shrimps. Good for you. Good for you, my fellow shrimps. We're not whales. but we have the potential of being whales in our own little pool. Anyway, excuse me. Industry leaders are now starting to advocate self-custody solutions as the phrase, not your keys, not your coins, bears more weight than ever before. On November the 13th, Ethereum educator Anthony Sassano said that crypto holders shouldn't be storing their assets on centralized exchanges unless they're actively trading large amounts. MicroStrategy's Michael Saylor told Cointelegraph in an interview that self-custody prevents centralized third parties from abusing their power. Glassnode also reported that stablecoins, many of which destabilized last week, have been flowing onto exchanges at increased rates over the past week. November the 10th saw more than $1 billion in stablecoins arriving on centralized exchanges. The total stablecoin reserve across all exchanges that it tracks reached a new all-time high of $41.2 billion. Quote, the echoes of the FTX collapse will likely act to reshape the industry across many sectors and shift the dominance and preferably for trustless versus centrally issued assets, it concluded. Yeah, um, this is going to reshape the industry in, in, in all manner of ways. But don't fool yourself. Shit coins are never going to go away. They may go away in their particular iteration that we see right now, but I guarantee you people are already thinking on, well, how else can we dupe stupid people out of their money? 
because that's what they're doing. They don't like you. They don't care about you. They just want your money. And people like, oh, Chris Bernsky is one of the worst people out there. Uh, BitBoy Crypto, a complete scumbag. Yeah, I'm naming names at this point. I just, you cannot trust anybody. Fuck, you know what? Don't even trust me. When I tell you to hold your own keys and don't dabble in anything but Bitcoin and don't use leverage and don't take out loans against your Bitcoin and don't do stupid shit like mortgage your house to buy Bitcoin, you should actually stop and say, what is it that he just said and why should I trust him? You need to ask that question. You may already trust me at this point. I don't know, but I think it would probably behoove you to take a step back, even from people like me, square me up, relook at what I'm saying, and see if you still agree. Search the depths of your soul. Make sure that what I'm telling you is something that works with you. It's like, my message is energy, all right? You're the battery. If I am operating at a voltage that you do not operate at, I cannot recharge your ass. It doesn't mean that I'm trying to screw you. It just simply means we're operating on a different wavelength. You really do need to back up and make sure that what I'm telling you is something that you really believe, not just because I tell you that you should believe me. And I don't believe this guy either. Edward Snowden says that he feels an itch to scale back into Bitcoin at 16,500. Cointelegraph and William Suberg tells us a little bit about that. <coughs> Data from Cointelegraph Markets Pro and TradingView show BTC ranging below 17 grand on the day after a dismal weekly close. The largest cryptocurrency had failed to show convincing signs of recovery after losing more than 25% the week prior, thanks to the debacle around the exchange FTX. Yeah, it's because they were having paper Bitcoin. Maybe we'll figure that one out a little bit later in the show. That debacle was ongoing at the time of writing with revelations fanning out to include that other firms had significant exposure to the now defunct exchange. With little light at the end of the tunnel visible, BTC price action remained Unsurprisingly weak, quote, markets consolidating, Michael Van Pop, Van de Pop, founder and CEO of trading platform eight summarized, quote, would assume we'd be at 10K actually after the terrible news that we've received in the past weeks, end quote. Trader and analyst wrecked capital, meanwhile, warned of support resistance, resistance flips in the making thanks to the weekly close, Bitcoin's lowest in two years. Quote, these are BTC monthly levels shown on the weekly time frame. He tweeted alongside of a chart of important focal events. Quote, from this chart, we can see that BTC has performed a new weekly close below the monthly level of 17,300. Initial signs of this level flipping into new resistance this week. End quote. Other posts on the day warned of the potential of additional downside wicking on BTC while noting that historically, Prior bear markets were still very much worse in terms of the pair's descent from cycle highs, the pair being BTC slash USD. An interesting counterpoint 
came from Edward Snowden. In a tweet of his own, he signaled that he would be a BTC buyer at current levels, a sentiment he last publicly posted after the March 2020 COVID-19 cross-market crash. Quote, there's a lot of trouble ahead, but for the first time in a while, I'm starting to feel the itch to scale back in, he stated. A second tweet stressed that the previous one was not financial advice. I don't think that helps anymore. Stocks offered little respite to crypto bulls on the day, with the S&P 500 and NASDAQ Composite Index down 0.3% and 0.8% respectively during the first hour. The U.S. dollar index continued consolidation of its own while refusing to add to the prior week's significant retracement. A popular trading account Game of Trades noted that the daily chart's relative strength index, or the RSI for the DXY, that's the dollar, has set a new record low for 2022. Quote, SPX showing strength and DXY is crashing, a hopeful blood good. Another well-known tw uh, Twitter trader wrote in part of a fresh update on the day. So yeah, DX, the dollar is, is worsening, which I, I had totally forgot to take a look at the dollar index during this entire debacle. Looks like everybody's getting hit. Okay, so now... And so do you think Edward Snowden is going to scale back into Bitcoin? Because he said some pretty, he said some pretty gnarly shit about Bitcoin in the past. So I do not trust Edward Snowden when it comes to Bitcoin. Now, this begs a question. This really does. This, be this begs a question. Um, oh, it looks like he erased a tweet. Oh, we'll have to try to get that back. Okay, hold on. Inverse bra at inverse bra has a picture of a tweet thread from a guy named Will Menitis. And he says, let's just read the thread. If I were an intelligence agency and I was concerned my adversaries were using crypto to launder funds, how would I stop that? Well, first, I'd find the central casting idea of a tech founder. You know, MIT dropout, finance, cargo shorts, long hair, maybe sleeps on a beanbag kind of guy. Well, and then, then I'd stick him offshore and claim he's discovered an arbitrage on a Forex market. The details really don't matter, but it should require an auditable OTC transaction incredibly add up to, you know, a couple of billions of dollars. All that matters is... It's mildly believable, and it's not on chain. Well, then, then I'd have him use those funds to build a very large crypto exchange. The goal here is to subsidize the thing until you see enough trading volume to see the state of the market at any moment. Only then you can start understanding how these illegal war funds, illegal war funds are moving. Great, 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 great. <clears throat> okay, now now you have legibility into all crypto transactions for a handful of currencies and you are starting to understand where cash flows are going. So what's next? Every time a project fails, let's take a little bit of that arbitrage money and use it to bail out their products. On the grand scale of things, this is a tiny cost compared to what you were making in suitcases of cash washing up outside of your office, but it gives you information right into any currency you can own on your exchange. Okay, now you essentially have rebuilt IRS level auditability into decentralized currencies in just a few years. Your great power adversaries are significantly weakened. Total cost? 
a few billion dollars in a sports stadium sponsorship. It turns out Zelensky was putting a bunch of the U.S. aid, military aid in, you know, bucks, you know, cut bucks uh, into FTX. So here's what I think. I think he was laundering money for the United States government. That's where, that's really what I think. I mean, and, and I'm not going to even put a tinfoil hat on myself for this one because it's so fucking easy to see. Ukraine has been a money laundering machine for de- at least a decade, if not two. Now they had a way to pipe that shit back to the United States. So we give it over as foreign aid to a country at war. They shove it into a, a, a CIA-handled boob in the form of Sam Bankman-Fried, whose parents are so well-connected in academia and finance in the United States that it's just beyond laughable. And they get it back in the form of a lot of people are saying it's the, it's the Democrats. Oh, bullshit. It was everybody. Everybody took a piece of that pie through Democratic donations. You know, I, it, the Republicans probably got some of it from somewhere too. I don't know. I don't care. What I do care about is that my tax dollars were sent to Ukraine and they were shoved into FTX by Zelensky himself. The, the exchange collapses and nobody knows where the money went. It's all now just, it's like it just never happened. That's a money laundering scheme. That's not just getting arbitrary or, 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 you know, legibility power into the quote unquote decentralized crypto markets. They don't need that. That wasn't the purpose. No, 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 no. The purpose was to send billions of dollars in taxpayer money and get it funneled through a war zone through something weird like crypto back to the people that signed the bills to give that money over to Ukraine in the first place. I'm sorry, but that's what happened. It doesn't have to, everybody wants this weird conspiracy theory. That's enough. And it's simple. See, that's what I love about Occam's razor. The simplest explanation is usually the, the, the most honest one or the one that is most likely to be correct. And this is so dead simple. It's not funny at all. But now the, the tweet that is not showing up from Sam Bankman fried is last night. And I don't know why he did this, but, and he didn't take it down until apparently an hour ago because I had this tweet set up and now I'm looking at the tweet and it says something went wrong. Try reloading. You know what that means? He deleted it. I can't, what the hell did it say? Hold on. I got to pause. It's lost forever. I'm sorry, guys. What he, he did, he said something. Oh, I know what it was. It's his first tweet was from Sam Bateman fried said, what? And then he, he replied to his own tweet with one, with the number one parentheses and a capital H. And of course we took that as an opportunity to have run several have fun staying poor trains on his dumb ass. But I mean, if that aside, he tweet Sam Bankman fried treat tweets, what? And then he replies to it with an H. Was he high? I don't know. We've got better fish to fry. Let's run the numbers. Energy. 
taking it, taking it on the chin. West Texas Intermediate is down three and a half points to $85.89 a barrel. Brenton North Sea down likewise 3%, $93.19. Natural gas <coughs> having a decent day. <clears throat> Three and a third percent to the upside, six dollars and seven cents per thousand cubic feet. Uh, gasoline down almost a full three points, two dollars and fifty three cents a gallon. Gold up a quarter of a point, but silver is blasting through the roof, one point eight four percent to the upside, twenty two dollars and six cents. Platinum down point six percent. Copper is down a whopping two percent. Palladium is down almost a half, or is up a half point. Agricultural futures are mixed. Your biggest loser is cotton, 3% to the downside. Biggest winner today is going to be sugar, 0.87% to the up. Dow up a quarter of a point. S&P is up 0.02%. NASDAQ down a quarter of a percent. And S&P mini is down 0.02%. looks like shit's just kind of moving sideways. Uh, Let's see. What do we got going on a bit? Infocharts.com. Oh, they're checking to see if my site connection is secure. Thanks, bitinfocharts.com. Okay, you know what? Screw you. We'll go right over to Clark's dashboard. 17,970 transactions is are waiting on 66 blocks to clear. <laughs> Check your fee rates, okay? I'm just saying, if you're needing to send, <coughs> send some Bitcoin on main chain... Check the fee rates. You could get blasted out. If you can wait on these transact on any transactions that you're intending to send today, if you can send them like, you know, later, uh, you might consider doing that. We have a $317.5 billion market cap, which is sadly now only 2.58% of gold's entire market cap. And we are now only able to purchase 8.9 ounces of shiny metal rocks with our one Bitcoin, of which there are. 19,207,123.42 of and 5,138.37 of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at a pittance $85 million being run over 16,362 nodes <clears throat> with uh, 77,851 payment channels uh, and 67.4% of all that is being run over Tor. Let's see if we can get over here to... now. bitinfocharts.com is down, I think. Bummer, dude. Okay, so I don't know what the hash rate is. Well, you'll be fine. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two. The news that you can use, Helen Parts, Cointelegraph, Bitcoin miner Kanan scales operations despite low earnings, according to the CEO. Oh, somebody's not hurting. Wow, that's interesting. Chinese cryptocurrency mining firm Kanan will continue to expand operations despite the ongoing bear market and an associated drop in earnings, according to the company's CEO. Kanan posted a 90% over-the-quarter decrease in net income in the third quarter of 2022, the firm officially announced uh, today, November the 14th. The firm's Q3 net income amounted to 61.0 million renminbi, or $8.6 million, which is an 88% decrease from the same period in 2021, Kanan noted. 
The company's revenue dropped about 41% from 1.7 million renminbi in quarter two of 2022, while gross profit plummeted 75% from 940 million renminbi posted in the previous quarter. Amid Bitcoin mining becoming less profitable due to the crypto winter, Canaan's mining devices have also experienced a significant decline in demand, according to the latest financials. Canaan sold a total 3.5 million terahashes per second of compute power in the third quarter, or basically a third less than the previous quarter. Despite a downward trend in its latest financial report, Canaan does not plan to slow down the company's growth. On the contrary, Canaan continues to scale its operations across the world, including research and development projects as well as mining operations, CEO Nenjeng Zhang said, quote, as part of our ongoing effort to strengthen our research and development capabilities, we are expanding our Singapore headquarters with promising local research and development talents to help support our business on a global scale, Zhang noted. He also mentioned that Canaan has been expanding its mining business in the United States, adding, quote, we face a very tough industry period as the Bitcoin price is sinking to lows the market has not seen in two years. Our priority is to conserve our cash, minimize our expenses, and endure this market downturn. Apart from scaling worldwide, Canaan has been working on new mining solutions this year. In October, Canaan officially released its new mining device series, Avalon Made 13. The new series is based on the advanced application-specific integrated circuit technology, including two models featuring 110 terahashes and 130 terahash rates. Kanan did not immediately respond to Cointelegraph's request for comment. Quote, The launch of the new generation product reaffirms our confidence in the fundamental value of the Bitcoin ecosystem and reflects our constant efforts in the research and development of supercompute Supercomputing technology, Zhang stated. As previously reported, having some difficulty today, people. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, Canaan posted a 117% increase in gross profit in the second quarter of 2022 over the same period in 2021. The company still expected a deterioration in financials due to the ongoing bear market. Yeah, and FTX sure as shit doesn't help, right? <clears throat> so. I last, well, not last week because it didn't come to you last week. The week before that and the week before that, I've been screaming about oil companies looking for their entry point. <coughs> this is it. This is their entry point. In fact, Exxon, I think I may have said this, but just to remind you, Exxon is going to, uh, is sponsoring uh, Bitcoin 2023 in Miami, and they're going to be on stage making presentations about their commitment to the Bitcoin mining industry. Who knew? But that was announcement was made right before FTX shit the bed. Okay. You've got every oil, I guarantee it, every oil executive right now is in their war room trying to figure out is this when we get into mining? I think you're going to hear about a lot of acquisitions over the next couple of months. And the majority of those acquisitions will be mining operations and they will have been purchased by somebody connected to oil and gas. 
That's my prediction. Hold my feet to the fire on it, okay? Now, U.S. lawmaker blames billionaire crypto bros for delayed legislation. Oh, yeah, it's the crypto bros. Cointelegraph, Braden Lindera, Lindera. United States Congressman Brad Sherman, a known crypto skeptic, has pointed the finger at billionaire crypto bros for slowing down much-needed cryptocurrency regulation. Well, gee, Brad, if it was so easy to slow down your job by being not part of the United States government, well, fuck, I'd been doing that all day long. Bullshit. In no, a November the 13th statement addressing the collapse of crypto exchange FTX, Sherman said the exchange's implosion has demonstrated the need for regulators to take immediate and aggressive action. Quote, the sudden collapse this week of one of the largest cryptocurrency firms in the world has been a dramatic demonstration of both the inherent risks of digital assets and the critical weaknesses in the industry that has grown up around them. End quote. Further quote, for years, I have advocated for Congress and federal regulators to take an aggressive approach in confronting the many threats that our society has been posed by these cryptocurrencies, he added. Sherman announced his plans to work with his Congress colleagues to examine options for federal legislation, which he hopes can be carried out without the financial influence of members of the cryptocurrency industry. Quote, to date, efforts by billionaire crypto bros to deter meaningful legislation by flooding Washington with millions of dollars in campaign contributions and lobbying spending have been effective, end quote. Well, maybe you should address all of the lobbyists, not just the people that you don't like, Brad. Maybe the lobbyists that, that you have no problem cozying up to. Maybe you should look at the entirety of K Street. And maybe you should empty out all those office buildings and put all Washington, D.C.'s homeless in there. Just saying, if you are so much the, 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 the knight in shining armor on the white horse on top of the fucking hill with the sun shining behind him about humanity and all that shit, then clear out K Street and be done with all of the problems of lobbying to begin with. But you know what? That just ain't going to happen. Why? Because Brad Sherman likes some lobbyists, not just these guys. Anyway, while Sherman made a direct reference to former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried and political donations to the Democratic Party, he also mentioned Ryan Salame, the co-CEO of FTX, who donated to Republicans. There it is, in 2022. Bankman-Fried was also reported to have donated $39.8 million into the recent 2022 midterm elections in the United States, which he said was distributed to both Democratic and Republican parties. The nearly $40 million figure made him the sixth largest contributor. While Sherman has advocated for an aggressive approach to crypto regulation, Thomas Hook, a professor on cryptocurrency regulation at Boston University School of Law, recently told Cointelegraph that regulators should be looking to implement common sense regulations. <laughs> Quote, regulators are reacting to an industry that is evolving constantly, but over-regulation could stifle that innovation. Poorly thought out regulation could create a twofold issue. First, it could limit U.S. consumers' ability to participate in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Yeah, you shouldn't even do that. And it could also drive these businesses to less regulated jurisdictions, end quote. 
further quote, this actually creates more risk for customers as it puts them in a position of dealing with less regulated institutions to participate in the ecosystem, he added. His comments, however, were made before the collapse of FTX crypto exchange. Cointelegraph reached out to Hook to understand if his position has changed in light of these new events. Meanwhile, Shark Tank host and millionaire venture capitalist Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, stated in a November 11th interview that CM, with CNBC that United States regulators need to start with one thing rather than regulating everything at once, with the investor recommending Congress start with the Stablecoin Transparency Act. O'Leary said that given the recent events at FTX, he believes institutional investors will likely put a pause on deploying serious capital into new investments until a legitimate legitimate regulatory framework is set in place. Quote, that would signal to everybody around the world that regulators in the United States are taking crypto on, starting to put rules in place, putting the guardrails on. No one is going to play ball in this space on an institutional level with serious capital until we get that done. You know what he, what O'Leary just described? He described a toddler's birthday party at a bowling alley. He put the rails on. Why even, why even go bowling? Jesus, O'Leary. <laughs> Among the most notable cryptocurrency bills to have been introduced into United States Congress include the Central Bank Digital Currency Study Act of 2021, the Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act of 2022, the Stablecoin Transparency Act, and the Cryptocurrency Tax Clarity Act. Future bills will center around President Joe Biden's executive order in March of 2022, which will include bills aimed at improving customer and investor protection, promoting financial stability, countering illicit finance, and improving the United States standing in the global financial system, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation. Yeah, and one of those bills is basically was written by Sam Bankman-Fried himself, well, not himself, but his lawyers, um, and they're, they're thinking about passing it. Crypto bro numero uno that just collapsed the entire cryptocurrency market, sending millions of people to the fucking poorhouse, and they're going to do what? Install his bill of cryptocurrency regulation. Yeah, that's going to be great. Again, man, I smell a rat. And it's not just a greedy, thieving, son-of-a-bitch rat. I... I smell controlled opposition. I smell controlled demolition. I smell everything that the CIA and the intelligentsia around the world, by the way, it's not just the United States. They, none of these people want Bitcoin. They don't want it to succeed. And what's so funny about it is the Streisand effect is beginning to take hold. The only thing not collapsing is Bitcoin. The only thing that does collapse is crypto. Yeah, let, let, that, let that sink in. Now, Crypto.com CEO says, business as usual, after revelations of an accidental $400 million transfer, oh, it's just a little accident with $400 million. Ben Munster tells us what the hell that was. This is from Decrypt.co. Another high-profile crypto exchange Known for lavish spending during last year's bull markets is in trouble as users question the health of its finances and make the irresistible parallel to the recently imploded FTX exchange. But Crypto.com CEO Chris Marlzalik 
however you pronounce that fucking name, says not to worry. All is solvent and above board. Bullshit. Quote, our platform is performing business as usual, end quote. Marzasol whatever said on an AMA posted to Twitter on Sunday, quote, people are depositing. People are withdrawing. People are trading. That's pretty much normal activity, just at a heightened level, end quote. <coughs> he participated in the AMA to address the weekend's revelations that the exchange, apparently inadvertently, had sent $400 million to a rival exchange, Gate.io, at the end of October. Huh. The, the funds were returned just in time for Crypto.com's proof of reserves, prompting some suspicion. Crypto.com's token shed 20% of its value on the news, and at least $45 million has since been withdrawn from that exchange, according to the Wall Street Journal, as investors recall the all-too-recent collapse of FTX. Nick, however, said it was no big deal and that the funds were sent to Crypto.com's own white-listed corporate account on Gate.io. Quote, the funds were never at risk of being lost. The system would not allow us to send money somewhere that it can't be recovered. <laughs> he also took the opportunity to reassure investors about Crypto.com's accounting practices more broadly. He said that unlike FTX, which traded user funds and used its own highly volatile token as collateral for their deposits, Crypto.com holds customer assets one-to-one, one, the relevant tokens or fiat, and nothing else. Quote, we do not trade customers' assets, he said, adding that mixing customer and corporate funds is a terrible idea and that it should be outlawed. Oh, for... Oh, my God. Are we really here? Jesus. If true, that means crypto.com's solvency isn't correlated to asset prices. In the event of a crash, deposits and withdrawals should be unaffected. Yeah, call bullshit immediately, y'all. It's also why the exchange's reserves show 20% of its holding in SHIB. The cryptocurrency based on a dog meme, said Mizzals. The CEO explained that the reason was simple. The token was a hot meme coin last year, so many people bought it. Quote, we store what our customers buy. As long as our users are holding it, we're holding it. We have no control over what you guys buy, he said. What about FTX? Was Crypto.com hurt by the collapse? No, says Mizzals who claimed that Crypto.com's exposure to the collapse of FTX was just minimal. The exchange, he said, was able to claw back the lion's share of its $1 billion investment, losing a mere $10 million. He added that Crypto.com was fully regulated in the UK, EU, US, Canada, and Singapore, and said that a full professional audit was underway, though it might take 30 days or more since serious audits don't operate on crypto speed. Okay, remember when I said <clears throat> that uh, $400 million was sent to gate.io and they got it back just in time for uh, auditory purposes? Yep, yeah. Uh, I doubt seriously that that's the only company that did that. And I doubt very seriously that it was an accident that they just sent $400 million worth of shit to gate.io. You know, gate.io was probably doing at the time. I don't know. Prove me wrong, but you know, I probably am wrong, but I think it has something to do with them doing an audit. What are the chances that these quote unquote crypto bros companies are sending each other exactly what they need at exactly the time they need it on accident so that they can perform an audit. 
just just asking. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, surely, surely this would never happen. Nobody would act that unethically, right? Not in this space, not, not in Cryptodrome. Hell no. No, we're all nice, clean, upstanding Christian individuals, aren't we? Unless you're in crypto, in which case you're a scumbag. I'm sorry, but you just are. It's Bitcoin and nothing else touching any of this. <coughs> and it's tarnish will rub off on you. Please stay away. Please stay away. These guys are trading each other's whole balance sheets to make it look like they're solvent. They are not. This does not end here. I don't know how else to impart that idea. If you think that this is it, this is the last that the bottom is in, a bottom was forming. A bottom was forming. And I said that around the November the 2nd news of FTX and Alameda or the Alameda research leaked balance sheet. I was like, ah, finally we're here. I didn't say the bottom was in. I'm saying the bottom was forming. Guess what? It's still forming. It's going to be forming for a long time. If you just got into Bitcoin at some kind of price well beyond where we are right now, you got to hold it. You got to hold it. I understand if you can't. If you're like, dude, I hold it, bro. I'm living under a bridge. I don't want you living under a bridge. You go do what you need to go do. But if you were like, well, gee, I just won't be able to get that Lambo if I if I don't sell now. Well, then fuck you. You don't need a Lambo. Do you have any idea what timing chains cost for a Lambo? Do you realize that if you drive that Lambo with any regularity whatsoever, then you have to change $50,000 timing chains every two years? And that's just the chains, man. If you want to do something stupid with your Bitcoin then just don't be serious about what it is that you have. If you're, if it's a life and death situation, do what you need to do, but don't do anything more than that. Okay. What else do we got? Oh, Visa has pulled the plug on their partnership with FTX and they're going to wind down all those debit cards. Yeah. Visa, we're out of here. Everybody's out. Everybody had a way out except for the people that were holding FTT. Visa had a way out. They're not going, they're, this isn't going to go to court for breach of contract, by the way. And it very well could have. If Visa was able to do this had or done this with something like Coca-Cola, you bet your ass Coca-Cola lawyers would be in the room bitching and moaning and tell them, telling Visa how they're going to sue their pants off for breach of contract. That's not going to happen here. Why? This is so bad. So bad that Sam Bateman Fried's legal team walked out on his ass. Or at least that was what was what was reported. His whole legal team, his legal team is like his chief guy. Every, there's, there's, there's no litigation that's going to happen from FTX because guess who else pulled out of the deal? The Miami Heat. They're out of here. And I'm pretty sure that the Major League Baseball Umpires Union is going to be out of there. 
They're all, they, they had the FTX patch. They worked a deal with FTX. The umpires union, guys, this is Major League Baseball. They're all gone. It all evaporated in a week. It was all built on lies and I'm going to say your money. If you're listening to me and you've listened to me and done like not gone into this shit, clearly, you know, I'm not talking about you, but yeah, it was built with your money. All these things that evaporated is just like, just steamed away an ice cube in, in the flash, flash of an eyelid and all your money's gone. In the Ontario Teachers Union, it's all gone. There's, there's no getting this back. It's never going to come back. Do you think that the people, the politicians that Sam Bankman Fry donated money to out of FTX are going to give that money back? No, they're not. I think we should probably find out who exactly got, you know, which PACs got Sam Bankman Fry's donations. And if they are making any statements whatsoever on returning that money, because now they know it was stolen. Most likely, it's actually fucking U.S. money, taxpayer money that we sent to Ukraine, but I already covered that shit. No, they're not going to give it back. Nobody's getting their money back. And all these people are... I, what, here's what I'm surprised. This is what surprises me the most out of all this last week. <coughs> Nobody on Twitter has screenshotted a single suicide hotline number from Reddit. Haven't seen them. I can only hope that that means that after the last 50 times that this shit has happened, that people finally got wise and either, or either that, or they had no money left, which is probably more the case, but you see what I'm getting at. Visa's pulling out Miami heat. They're out major league baseball. They're out. Nobody's getting sued for breach of contract this time. I don't even know where Sam Bankman fried is or that Caroline chick that was CEO of Alameda. No, I don't think anybody knows where they are. Hopefully we'll find out. I don't know. Let's look at this one. Hundreds of millions of dollars drained from FTX overnight on unauthorized transfers. And here's the, this is the, the this isn't the final end to the story, but basically this is the finality for FTX. People are going to jail. You can't hide this one, right? Jason Nelson Decrypt.co. This one is important. Several wallets allegedly belonging to FTX were drained of hundreds of millions of dollars in coins late on Friday night, with much of the funds transferred from Tether into stablecoin DAI and from staked Ethereum into Ethereum. It was the same day that FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and it looked too soon, too late at night, and too sophisticated for the actions to be attributed to liquidators. They're talk when they mean liquidators, they're not talking about the thieves that are taking these coins. They're talking about the liquidators sent in to perform the actions of chapter 11 bankruptcy. They haven't even started that shit yet. Right? They just they just were able to put together the paperwork for chapter chapter 11 and file it. They haven't actually done anything. This shit happened late on Friday night, ladies and gentlemen. Liquidators for a chapter 11 or chapter 13 don't work weekends. They're not the ones that did this. 
The Exodus, all visible on blockchain tracker Etherscan, totaled around $650 million, according to pseudonymous blockchain sleuth Zach XBT, widely trusted by the DeFi community. It took until after 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for FTX U.S. General Counsel Ryan Miller to call the transfers unauthorized and add that FTX had begun moving assets to cold wallets to mitigate the damage. It was a nightmare evening for anyone with funds on FTX as the hysteria mounted. Rumors flew, including one about whether FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried was on a plane to Argentina and a Reuters report claiming he used a secret back door built into his exchange to around, oh, to exchange around $10 billion to his hedge fund, Alameda. Did you not catch that one? Because we were talking about draining wallets. That flew under the radar. Hold on. Let's do that one again. A claim has been made that Sam Bankman-Fried used a secret backdoor built into his exchange uh, for $10 billion of exchange to his uh, hedge fund Alameda. That's bad. It's a bad sentence, so I can't get over it. But that's, he had a backdoor. He just, without anybody's permission, just took money out of FTX and gave it to Alameda. Just gave it to Alameda so that they could meet their, their what was going on over there because they had liquidations like all around them. And then so here comes Sam. Well, no, I just transferred. It's like a checking account. He didn't ask. He's got no board of directors. He didn't ask his, his chief legal. He didn't ask a CFO. Hell, he was just, I guess he was in the middle of playing legal, legal legends and said, oh, shit. Guess I'll give $10 billion to my sister firm. That's who you're dealing with, people. Another eagle-eyed blockchain sleuth who goes by the pseudonym FUBAR noticed the file or the first transfer of $26 million and issued an alert at 9.47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As the movement continued in real time, crypto Twitter erupted in theories. Was it a hack? Inside job from FTX leadership safeguarding their own funds? And directly disobeying the, disobeying the bankruptcy procedures? I don't know. Quote, hundreds of millions of dollars are now flowing out of FTX wallets. Some speculate liquidators, but it's late on a Friday night. Not, not typical times for such rapid, heavy movements, Fubar tweeted. Quote, multiple former FTX employees confirmed to me they do not recognize these transfers. Zach XBT tweeted at 1048 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. According to blockchain tracking website DeBank, 280,726,000 in ETH and 99,276,000 in BNB and, God, $3.97 million in AVAX were sent to one of the receiving wallets. And the draining continued. And there's a whole bunch of tweets here that show the draining continuing. At 11.08 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, FTX U.S. General Counsel Ryan Miller tweeted, quote, investigating abnormalities with wallet movements related to the consolidation of FTX balances across exchanges, end quote. As crypto sleuths on Twitter surmised, Miller would have been informed if the funds were being moved as part of a liquidation process. Just before midnight, an FTX Telegram administrator named Ray posted, quote, FTX has been hacked. All funds seem to be gone. FTX apps are malware. Delete them. Chat is open. Don't go on FTX site as it might download Trojans, end quote. 
In cybersecurity, Trojans are programs that claim to perform one function but actually do another, typically malicious. Trojans can take the form of attachments, downloads, and fake videos. But many onlookers did not buy the idea that this was a hack. Quote, if you think FTX is being hacked right now, you should consider quitting crypto. You were too kind and gullible for this industry, DeFi Pulse founder Scott Lewis tweeted. Twitter chief twit Elon Musk took the opportunity to point out that all the action was playing out on Twitter. Oh, good God. Miller provided another update at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. He claimed that earlier on Friday, FTX and FTX US had initiated precautionary steps to move all digital assets to cold storage and that the process was expedited this evening to mitigate damage upon observing unauthorized transactions. On Thursday, the Securities Commission of the Bahamas, where FTX is headquartered, ordered FTX's assets frozen and assigned a liquidator to the company. So far, $3 billion in crypto has been stolen in 2022 through 125 different hacks. Once the dust settles from FTX draining, if it was indeed a hack, that figure will surpass the previous all-time high of $3.2 billion set last year. So we still don't know. Not yet. You probably will by the time the show comes out, but I don't know. Um, Let's see. You know what? We are at, wow, we are 12 minutes past the hour. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. Do you want a brief explanation of what an acorn is? In a nutshell, it's an oak tree. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty apropos for today's show. Okay. If you were around when I was covering the Quadriga CX uh, saga, which is sadly still ongoing. No, I'm serious. Quadriga CX. Look it up. That shit's not put to bed yet. Mount Gox is not put to bed yet. That was what, 2014? It's not put to bed bed yet. This, This one, I've been in Bitcoin since 2015, the month of September. I remember it well. Uh, Now, while I knew of Bitcoin's existence before that, I'm going to say it was September, September 2015. That's when I first purchased any Bitcoin at all not just in in an appreciable amount, just any Bitcoin at all. I, I didn't have it before that day, right? So back in September, 2015, is how long I've been in this space. <clears throat> I have done, I have devoted egregious amounts of time to covering Bitcoin, to trying to build a, a podcast, to, you know, to following the industry, to trying to be there for this, for, for Bitcoin, not like I'm going to help Bitcoin, but I see, I see it as a light that will bestow a smile upon those people that have not smiled in so long because the rules are rigged and the the rules of the game are rigged so much against their favor that they would never have thought that they would smile again. And I think they are going to one of these days, maybe there will be more Bitcoiners than there are shitcoiners. But right now, that's not the case. And because that's not the case, this is not going away. 
and FTX makes the Terra Luna, Mt. Gox, all the sushi swap hacks, all of it. If you bundle that all together and set it right next to this tight ass little biscuit that is FTX and FTX US and Alameda Research, it are it's orders of magnitude smaller. This this one, this FTX one, is so bad. It's so connected. The toxicity is so rank as to be radioactive that we're not getting out of this one for years. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you're just worried about the Bitcoin price, I would, I honestly, I wouldn't worry about it. Like that one story, you know, was, that I was reading said, the guy goes, I'm surprised it's not $10,000. Honestly, I, I'm mentally prepared for 14.5 and I've been mentally prepared for 14.5 well before November 2nd and the leaked Alameda research uh, balance sheet came out. There's serious weakness going on. That's the weak hands being shake, shook out of the tree. When, when the market feels weak, it's because the, hold, the, the holders are weak. Don't be the weak holder. Be the strong holder. It'll, it'll pay off in spades. Now, uh, boostograms. Do I have any? I, I do. What my, my, my word, I have, I have boostograms. I got some good boostograms here. But before I say that, I want to shout out to all those people that were clipping my show. I didn't even know that that was going on. For the first time, <clears throat> I just never looked at the clips on, because I use Fountain App. Okay, you guys know that. I love, love me some Fountain App, but I never turned it over to clips because I figure people just weren't clipping the show. That is not true. People have been clipping the show. I'm sorry that I have not recognized any of you for doing that. I just found this shit out right before my wife got sick last week. Otherwise, I would have taught, I would have thanked you last week. So I'm thanking you now. Thank you for clipping the show. I had no idea that there was that many clips out there. I mean, there's not, you know, there's not like a whole lot, but there's certainly a shit ton more than I thought was going to be there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Next time that I, I'm going to start looking at the clips, okay? Promise, I promise you, I'm going to start looking at your clips. So start clipping again, okay? Now, Boostergrams, Pitar, 10,000 Satoshis. Am I the only one who gets a special joy in seeing Scam Bankman lied getting wrecked? It smells like justice. Yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it too. You can call me Chardon Dude. If you don't understand that, it's like Chardonnay, where you like, you know, get joy out of the collapse of others. Well, I have turned low. I have become Chardon, dude. Uh, letter 6173 says, please consider these KYC free sats a gift and not a tip when accounting for tax purposes. Well, thank you there. Uh, letter 6173 with your striper boost. Shark the Lion, 5,555 Satoshis. Thanks for doing a show all week. No, I didn't. I really enjoyed them. Well, I, hopefully I'll be back into it. So yeah, things get in the way. Uh, Fatoshi with 5,000 Satoshi says, okay, I'm just going to say it. Don't sniff into the mic, please. Blow your nose or smack the mute button. I don't have a mute button, dude. Sorry for sounding like your mom. Mine left me with a phobia of sniffing. Sorry to hear you have allergies all the best. Yeah, I know. Sorry, Fatoshi. 
Uh, and Fatoshi again with another, yet another 5,000. Satoshi says, thanks, David. I've been thinking about a proper reply to your comment the other day. Really grateful for the sentiment. Very interesting topic. Life getting in the way currently like everybody else. And he's thanking me for telling him about TweetDeck. If you don't know about TweetDeck, go to TweetDeck or just, I don't know, whatever search engine, just type in TweetDeck, all one word, T-W-E-E-T-D-E-C-K. Do not, I, I was using the Twitter version uh, they changed the interface. I don't like it. If you can figure out if hopefully you don't go when you go to TweetDeck the very first time, it doesn't give you, you know, the the new uh, UI. If if it does uh, hit me up, I'll try to help you get to the old UI. It's way cleaner. It's much better. The guys over at Twitter clearly have their hands full dealing with other terrible bullshit at the time that they can't fix their new TweetDeck. Uh, but they, uh, that's what he's talking about. <clears throat> Uh, 2A3DEX says, Saludos from Colombia, my dear friend. If by chance you visit, let me buy you a beer. 500 Satoshis. Yes, I will buy you a beer if I ever get a chance to go to Colombia. I hear it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Jim LaHaye, 420 sats. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? And uh, Bit Happens uh, says, Who is Satoshi? <laughs> Underneath that one. My favorite conspiracy theory? God, I don't know, man. There's a lot. Um, Pizzagate. That's probably my favorite conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, Bit happens, 1331, 419 sats. Says, was Satoshi Nakamoto A, Matrix Agents or Skynet? B, John Titor, a future team master coder mercenaries? C, maybe Titor's badass Pet Meek Seeks Quantum AI from the year 2071. D, our collectively backed up future minds made a true TCIP sort of meta that began in 2008. And by maturity, we could live there within a fair protocol that empowers and respects sovereignty. None of the above could just as easily be Aladdin's genie or aliens, but it's not Craig Wright. Right, I hear you. Um, let's see. And then... uh. C.A. Danner, 400 Satoshi says, Mitch missed the butcher shop story. Please repeat. I can't right now. Uh, and then C.A. Danner gives me another 100 sats. Thank you for all of y'all's Satoshis. I really do appreciate it. And I'm replying back to all of y'all with uh, a boost of my own of 10 Satoshis. Hopefully you got them. All right. <clears throat> I need to set mine higher. I just haven't really, haven't really gotten around to it yet. All right. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. I use Fountain App, and with Fountain App, I can boost other podcasters. I can stream them Satoshis while they stream me their dulcet tones, and you can do the same, and I'll do the same for you, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.